Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello! So last week we talked about episodes 1 and 2 of SG-1 Season 3, wrapping up the Hathor cliffhanger and meeting the delightful well-old Seth. Today we'll be talking about episodes 3 and 4, Fair Game and Legacy. Fair Game premiered on July 9th, 1999, was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Martin Wood. Legacy premiered on July 16th, 1999, was written by Tor Alexander Valenza and directed by Peter DeLuise. And so we're finally introduced to the System Wars as a whole. I feel like it's kind of like been teased, like they've been talked about. We're mm-hmm. like finally getting introduced to them like as a system. And then Daniel's infected by something in the second episode. Fun. Arzu, would you like to summarize? All right. So in the first episode, fair game. The system lords, including our little squishy friend Thor, come to Earth to discuss the treaty. They have a meeting where Jack is named the representative of all humanity, which seems like a big mistake to me, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, he thinks so too. Yeah, he, he's right to think so. So they have this meeting wherein there is intrigue when one of the system lords is up to some shady stuff that they don't want to admit to. So mm-hmm. they got to trick it out of them. Mm-hmm. And then the second episode, as Chelsea said, Daniel's infected with something. And because he did not isolate, did not wear a mask, <laughs> did not quarantine, he gives it to everybody. Except <laughs> Sam, who is immune. <laughs> well, <laughs> initially. <laughs> I did not mean to make this a COVID <laughs> metaphor, but let's just say if Daniel were around in 2020, that Daniel would have gone to work sick. <laughs> in his defense, he didn't know what he was doing. There's no defense. <laughs> okay, let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, so we're going to let these ghouls just walk in here? And your guess was that Jack is talking about letting Wold into the SGC for something, and he doesn't want them to steal his Wizard of Oz VHS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the context right, which yeah, was pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, but it was Sam who delivered the line. Which surprised me, but... Yeah. Seems chiller than that. So we open this first episode with Sam getting a promotion. I'm so happy for her. Yay! Major Carter. Yes. One step closer it. to it being okay for her and Jack to get together. Don't take this. <laughs> no, but seriously, like she has worked so hard for this two seasons in. It's a very well-deserved promotion. And yes, then they immediately absolutely. forget about it. Because somebody called a captain like five minutes later and then cracks themselves. But still. Well, Jack does. <laughs> yes, it was Jack. We forgive him. We forgive him because it's Jack. But yeah. um. He yeah. calls her Captain the most, so that's why it's so hard for him. Because that's him. his nickname for her. He's <laughs> Captain. Yeah. And um, Jack is going to give like a little speech after she gets her promotion and delivers the kind of like iconic in the fandom base line of, um, normally I'm a man of very few words, and then gets beamed up <laughs> by the Asgard. Shortest speech in history. Short and sweet. The, <laughs> Keep it uh, simple. The Asgard had to beam him up because he was about to tell her how much he loves her. <laughs> sure. I mean, no, but I just, why is it always Jack? Like, <laughs> if somebody's getting kidnapped or mm-hmm. impaled mm-hmm. or something, why, like, why is it always Jack? I feel like it, mo- most of the time it's Jack. I guess because he's the team leader. 
so it's just more fun to mess with them <laughs> well i guess in thor's mind it's like okay he's the team leader and like thor has only met people from sg1 and not like the leader of the sgc and so it's kind of like okay you're the leader of the ones that i've met therefore you should be the representative yeah. of all of humanity yeah you know as you do i mean i guess like from thor's mind it's like i mean if you're good enough to be on the best team <laughs> that you could represent all of humanity yeah yeah know. i guess that's true why not why not <laughs> and jack is like i feel like daniel should do it because he actually speaks other languages and thor's like nah you're good because thor's <laughs> like listen man daniel married a woman and forgot about her committed he is not <laughs> like we need a man committed think, to a cause i don't think thor knows about that i think thor does know about that and that played a huge part in his decision <laughs> <laughs> He's like watching his soaps and his soaps is like what the SG teams are up to. Yeah. And he realized <laughs> Daniel Jackson is not a wife guy. And he's like, can't have that. We need, a, we need a wife guy. You think Thor is a wife guy? No, I think Thor thinks that humanity needs a wife guy. Oh. I don't think Thor is a wife guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I don't know. He could be a wife guy. I just don't think I, he is. He never mentions a wife. I don't know if he's married. Well. We never actually meet any women Asgard. Sexist. Yeah. I'm like, and I don't know if it's because they don't exist or maybe there's not like female, male binary. Maybe they just maybe. don't have genders. Yeah. Very possible. Which would make it funnier than that the Asgard are you know have names and such that we're familiar with and yeah. in our mythology we binaried them yeah maybe they take offense to that maybe <laughs> or they're just like oh you know those those humans mm. always needing to think on a binary yeah they're not in anymore inferior races we got there in the end yeah or we're getting there i should say <laughs> and so Three Iguawold will be coming to the SGC to talk about a treaty to make Earth a protected planet by the Asgard so that if the Iguawold attacked Earth, then the Asgard could retaliate on their behalf. And two of these Iguawold are racial stereotypes. <laughs> it <Whee>! was uncomfy. <laughs> well, you know. It was 1999. Yep. Yeah, well, so the three gods that come are Cronus, who's a Greek god represented by a white actor. So I, that seemed fun. He's insufficiently Mediterranean, but I'll let it slide. Yeah, at least it wasn't like egregious. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> and um, then you is one of the other ones. And the actor playing him is Chinese. So okay. that's, so that's fine. fine. We'll yeah, allow that's it. fine. And then Nirti is a Hindu goddess, and the woman playing her is not e Hindu or Indian. So that is uncomfy. I mean, I guess you could make the argument that maybe her original host was Indian. But why would they not cast an Indian actor? <laughs> <laughs> 
in story, I'll make whatever concession you want, yeah. but in yeah. real life. Yeah. I mean, no shade to Jacqueline Samuda who plays her because she's a wonderful actress. Oh, yeah. No shade whatsoever, yeah. but also. Yeah, I, I have no problem with her, like, representation of the character in general. It's just, it would have been nice to have it's... had an Indian actress. She looks like Middle Eastern. Well, I looked up her last name, and her her last name is comes from Jamaica by way of Portugal. And I do remember the actor that plays Apophis, Peter Williams is what his name is. Um, he mentioned her being Jamaican. Okay, in a Twitter post. All right, so I got. I mean, she was born in Canada and was raised in both Canada and the U.S. Her heritage, I guess you could say, is Jamaican. Is Jamaican. Okay, never mind. So, but she's still not Indian. Yeah, no, I was gonna say if she was like Middle Eastern, then I understand. Like, in terms of casting, that casting directors tend to cast like right across the region to yeah. play each other, and I'm never gonna critique anybody for taking that job. Like, especially back then, like get get your coin, but. Yeah. E- but she does do a wonderful job in acting. Yeah. I've gone too far. I shouldn't be looking at this. Don't look at spoilers on the internet. <laughs> I don't know what Stargate Continuum is. You never mentioned that. It's a, one of the, the straight to DVD movies. And it like, they're, they take place, at least one of them is after all of SG-1 is over. I think one of them might be after one of the earlier seasons. But it's like to wrap up a plot line that they didn't have time to finish okay. in the show. I went too so, far down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So don't read spoilers. Okay. <laughs> I saw Richard Dean Anderson. I was like, oh, do he and Sam kiss? But then I thought I should close them before I see something I don't want to see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Hammond originally asks Teal'c to be the liaison for the gold when they come. And Teal'c is extremely offended. And I totally understand why. Mm-hmm. Like, he was a slave to the Gwold. Yeah, no. And you're asking him to, like, serve them? No. <laughs> no, and then, like, frankly, he shouldn't have asked. Absolutely not. <laughs> that was very insensitive. Damn it, Hammond. I mean, I guess I can see where Hammond is coming from, because Teal would better understand what they might want and need. But it's still totally inappropriate. I actually feel like Hammond didn't put that together. Like, yeah. he's like, okay, of, of the team, Teal'c is not from here, so Teal'c will get it. But then Teal'c's like, but do you remember why I'm not from here? Yeah. Like, what that context is, and yikes. Especially because we learned some backstory for Teal'c in this episode, that Teal'c's father was Kronos's first prime at one point, and Kronos sent him on a mission and it didn't go well, and mostly everybody was killed, and so when Teal'c's father got back, he was killed by Cronus for failing. Right. And so Teal'c and his mother had to flee, and they chose to go to Chulag, specifically because Apophis is Cronus's like, arch-rival, and so Teal'c wanted to be basically on the opposite side, like... Right. And, and try to help Apophis overtake Cronus. I mean, whatever works. Yeah. Which I feel like gives a lot more depth and understanding to Teal'c's backstory that I felt like was missing before. Because before it was like, okay, he spent a lot of time working up to being Apophis's first prime and then probably a few decades actually being first prime. And how do we reconcile that with the fact that his teacher, Braytac, taught him that the Gua'uld are fake gods 
and, you know, not to be trusted and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, if you take into account that he was doing that for revenge, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Like, he heard Braytag and understood that the Gwold are false, false gods, but he wanted to avenge his father. Yeah. So it makes it seem less like he was ignoring Braytag and more like he had a purpose in doing it. So I kind of like that extra element. I agree. I agree. I think it gives it a bit more. There's a bit more going on there. Yeah. Which I'm always a fan of. Yeah. Although I do wish, like, so Teal'c is, like, obviously insulting Cronus <laughs> in gold. And I'm like, okay, I really need Daniel to translate for us. I really want to hear what these insults are. I feel Please. like <laughs> it's so bad Daniel couldn't translate it <laughs> yeah. for basic cable. Right. He's like, this is this is some HBO level cussing. I can't do that here. That's true. That's fair. Which makes it better. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I really could have used some subtitles, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I did find it interesting because, again, so they start the conversation about the treaty and the Gould are like, we will agree to this treaty as long as Earth doesn't, like, surpass a certain point in their technology to be a threat to the Gould. And also, you have to give up both of your Stargates. So I'm like, oh, okay, so the System Lords collectively know that Earth has two Stargates. Because we didn't necessarily know if they knew that before. Yeah. Like with the whole gate in Antarctica. Because, I mean, there were Jaffa that were found frozen in the ice. But that doesn't necessarily mean it was common knowledge. But if there were Jaffa frozen in the ice, then I guess that does mean that there was a degree of communication there. Yeah. Like whatever that might have been, that kind of conveyed the point. Yeah, I I was having this whole conversation with some people on Twitter about, you know, how did the Stargate in Giza get there? Like, did Ra initially try the gate in Antarctica and, like, his scouts or whatever never came back? And so he probably brought a Stargate from somewhere else and put it in Egypt. Right. And then had to have done something like in the programming of the DHD to supersede the Antarctica gate so that the gate in Giza could be used. Right. But then it's like, even then, if if that is true, then, okay, maybe Ra would know that there's two gates, but not necessarily the other gold, you know? I think. <laughs> you know that gif of the guy with the board? And yes. Like, that's what you sound like right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Well, basically, it's just, it just comes to the whole idea of when the world first came to Earth, was it Ra by himself or was it multiple Gwold? Like, how much power did Ra really have? Like, we know he was the most powerful on Earth, but that there were other Gwold around. So it was like he established Dominion first and the others came and joined him, or is that they came collectively and he grew in power? I think. It can be a bit of both. I think he could have come with a complement of people already in power mm-hmm. and established dominion because I don't know any leader at that scale that goes conquering by themselves. Right. You know, like you don't know what's going to be on the other side. Right. You think you know, but you genuinely don't have a, a way of knowing for sure. Yeah. So I feel like he probably was already in power and then came over with others. Yeah. 
I mean, this just basically confirms the fact that other Guo do know a good bit about like Earth's history in terms of yes, there are two gates, and they so they probably know that there's a gate in Antarctica, and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, just little tidbits filling in information because <laughs> why not? That's the parts of canon we love, yeah. So they have this discussion about the treaty, and they end up. Like, after the Gwold say, okay, you have to give up your two Stargates in order for us to go through this theory, they take a recess so that Jack can go talk about this with the other leaders of Earth. And the Gwold go back to their chambers. And so during this time, Teal'c gets a note from Cronus saying to go meet him privately in his chambers. Mm -hmm. And gets there, and Cronus is like, what are you talking about, dude? And... (laughs) And... They both get attacked by something invisible. And so, of course, the other two gold are blaming it on the people from Earth, saying that they're, like, you know, trying to murder them while they're there. And they ask Nirti to use a hand-healing device on Cronus. And she's like, um, he's just too far gone. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) oh what are you gonna do it's so sad she does a really great job of pretending to like yeah we're doing a terrible job of it but she actually does a much better much (laughs) better job than we do yeah she looks distraught and like concerned believably (laughs) so yeah and so they want to leave and take him to a sarcophagus supposedly and the sgc is just like "Mm, there's something hinky going on here like (laughs) this doesn't make sense and so they take them hostage, basically. Mm-hmm. They say, you can't leave. And uh, here's some guns to prove that, you know, we're not going to let you leave. And Sam is able to heal Cronus with the hand device, proving that Nirti is a big fat liar. Very suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Just making shit up. And so they confront her about it. And she tries to peace out using her invisibility device, but they catch her because they've dealt with the Ritu before, so mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. It's slap on the wrist for near T. Which I <laughs> honestly doesn't surprise me at all. With her yeah. being a system lord, like yeah. they get away with everything. Yeah, I mean she's gonna be taken back for like quote unquote punishment, but like who knows what that means yeah. in reality. I mean it's not like they're gonna torture her or anything. It probably just means that She's going to have to, like, give up some territory or give monetary concessions to other ghouls or something, you know? Yeah. Something Something minimal. Yeah. It's not like they're going to keep her in prison somewhere forever. No, I don't think so. And they don't, like, kill other ghouls because... Well, I mean, they do when they're, like, at war, but not as, like, a punishment for... I don't know where I'm going with this. Misbehaving. Yeah. 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 I guess it's more like she's getting punished for doing it in the setting that she did it in. If she went to war with Cronus and killed him, nobody would care. It's her timing. Yeah. So, yeah, it does confirm, though, that Hathor is the first one that we've seen with invisibility technology. Because before I was like, am I misremembering? Did we see it before? No, Hathor is the first time we saw it. And this is only the second time we're seeing it. Right. Besides the Ritu, of course. Of course. Yeah. So I guess they didn't need that bug on the Nox homeworld after all. 
See, okay. <laughs> Without jumping too far ahead into the next episode, I was trying to remember, like, is this the one with the invisible bugs? But then I'm like, was that the next episode with the invisible bugs? Like, little bugs on the dish? Is that the next episode? You, we were watching this, and you're like, look, something gross is about to happen. Oh, that's, the next these one. that's the next one. Okay. That's the next one. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, invisible bugs. Like, there were too they many were invisible, invisible bugs. They were invisible. They, they were, needed like, a light to see them. Well, to see them well, just because they were small. Just saying. Well, they weren't invisible. Too many hard-to-see bugs this week. <laughs> okay. I liked how uh, Jack was, like, talking to Cronus and says something something you're a snaky little butt and I'm like wow that was really bold for you to like <laughs> talk like that to Cronus simultaneously <laughs> very bold and sir are you 10 <laughs> yeah. and Cronus like didn't blink at it <laughs> not like, his first whatever. time being called that <laughs> I guess it's just like I mean if you're in like the enemy's stronghold or whatever you just expect to be insulted you but know <laughs> I feel like if I was Kronos, the, the like, you know, the Titan, I'd be like, snaky little butt. Yeah. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> hey. <laughs> I didn't think it was really amusing, like, how at the end when they were all leaving. And I think it was Jack who was like, so this means we're good, right? Like, you're not going to come, like, attack us. And Kronos is like, yes, we're not going to attack you. But if we see you on another planet, we won't hesitate to kill you. And, and it felt like a mutual moment between Jack and Cronus. Like, awesome. All right. We got this deal going on. We can't kill you here, but we can kill you over there. <laughs> I like that they're just accepting of this threat, given how frequently they go to other planets. Right. Like, although the ne- next next week they don't go anywhere, which is funny, but. Um, well, technically they do at the beginning. That's how they get the technology in the first place. Very quickly. Yeah. I just think it's funny that they like took him so seriously. They're like, this yeah. does not travel very far. Yeah. For a few weeks. Well, I mean, they do have like hundreds of Stargates from the ancient database that the Ghoul don't have in their systems. So they're just keeping to those. So they could. Well, while yeah. Kronos forgets about his threat. They could, yeah. Or yeah. just... That and also like word of mouth, like planets that Teal'c knows about or that mm-hmm. somebody else knows about that don't have gold there anymore, you know. Yeah. There's ways of exploring without getting into gold te- like territory. Plus the fact that since they're friends with the Tok'ra now, the Tok'ra have a pretty good beat on like where all the gold are. Mm-hmm. So they can probably be like, because that's how the Hathor episode came about. Because they got a tip from the Tok'ra that there was a gold there, but they didn't know which one. Right. And so they went to investigate it, got captured by Hathor, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. So the Tok'ra knew that they that somebody was there. So they could probably share information like that and be like, okay, well, don't go to this planet unless you want to see some of the gold. Because Kronos is there. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of like how Chulak is so well known probably everybody knows the gate address you know yeah. it's probably the same for you know Cronus' home planet and Nietzsche's home planet like nobody is gonna be dumb enough to just go there it's like how some places huh. like government places are a matter of public record yeah like the white house address yeah that's funny so i mean if they get a list of those you know very well-known addresses from the tokra then it's like okay just don't go there <laughs> and then you're probably <laughs> okay. Cronus is like stalking the galaxy like looking for them <laughs> 
behind every rock, rock and bush. Right. It's like, are they here? Are they right. Here? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, his Jaff- Jaffa would do that, but yeah. No, it's funnier if he does it himself. <laughs> He's too busy, like decorating his rooms because like the decorating and the SGC wasn't cool enough so apparently mm. he's really into interior decorating listen he's been alive for thousands of years man's got to keep himself busy somehow yeah <laughs> that's true so you think the dress uniform and the SGC should be the standard yes at least for Jack okay I'm not gonna lie like it's purely because that man looks nice in a uniform <laughs> he does look nice in a uniform he's really nice in a uniform yeah that's it. Like, that's just purely my, like, yeah. I, I apologize to our listeners. I'm not usually this shallow, but he just does something to my brain. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He just makes me feel some kind of way. I don't know. Huh. I think it works really well in this series. They're like in and out of the dress uniform all the time. In the Atlantis series, they are so rarely in dress uniform that when like the the lead of the main exploratory team wears a dress uniform for somebody's funeral. I'm like, you look weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do wear, they do wear dress uniform fairly, fairly common. Yeah. Commonly in this. Yeah. Who are you saying does not look like Chris Hemsworth? Thor. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that makes sense. He's like, like I am Thor. I'm like that is not Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> oh, and when when we were watching the episode, <laughs> you were like, "Where's his mouth?" Okay, his mouth is too <laughs> far down, and it's there's like a sharp right angle between like the bridge under his nose and where his mouth is. It like so it tips down. Yeah, it does. which means I thought his mouth was shadow because also the whole muzzle part of his face was wiggling while he was talking. <laughs> so I thought he just didn't have a mouth. Because it was like, yeah. Because when you see like a Roswell alien, like their mouth is usually a little higher up. Yeah. So I'm like, where is his mouth? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they designed it that in particular. What I found amusing was how, in most of the shots, it's pretty obvious that Thor is a puppet. But mm-hmm. there's one shot where he's sitting in his chair and then he stands up and walks over to Jack. I'm like, oh, look at that CGI. You were like, <laughs> that is their whole budget for the year. <laughs> yeah. It was just so obvious because even the face looked almost completely different in CGI than it did as a puppet. <laughs> they do what they can for 1999. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm not blaming them, but it's just really funny. Like Because the puppet doesn't move very much at all. And when it does, it's kind of slightly robotic-esque. Yeah, it's just like a standard arm yeah. up and down kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, whereas the CGI was like, oh, you're like suddenly very lithe and agile. Do you have anything else about this episode? No. Okay. In the next episode, they go to another planet and they're walking through this compound that looks like it was originally a Gua'ul compound, but it's like been stripped of everything. It's totally empty. And they come across this room and they go inside and it looks like the, what would you call that? The door opening device. It's not a door handle, but it's like, so to get, to open this door, there's like a stone in the wall and you pass your hand over the stone and it opens the door. I don't know that there's a word for that. The door mechanism? The, sure. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, door mechanism. The one on the inside was disabled. 
and they found nine corpses. This was the point where I decided because I knew Daniel's getting infected with something this week. And I decided if he starts aging rapidly, like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that Chelsea was going to have to talk about this episode by herself. Or that episode when Jack aged rapidly. No, it's different. It's different. Why is it different? Because he aged rapidly slowly. Oh, okay. Like, when I'm saying rapidly, I mean like aging 50, 60 years in a matter of 10 seconds. Oh, okay. Like at the end of Last Crusade, which... right. The last time I saw that scene, I was like 29. Yeah. And I had to put my head between my knees because I thought my pizza was going to come back up. <laughs> so I was like, if if that had happened here, you wouldn't be hearing me speak right now because Chelsea would have been yeah. doing this part by herself. Yeah. yeah. I get it. I get it's it. disgusting. I can't, I can't handle stuff like that. Yeah. For me, it was the pulling the heart out. Oh, that's fine. No. The, the Nazi face melting was fine. The heart was fine. It's rapid aging and like withering. Mm. I, it just, it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up and almost start screaming. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like the heart, like heart's getting ripped out. Or if I watched Once Upon a Time, I can handle it. <laughs> we have different icks. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Okay, so anyway. they find nine corpses and they're like, oh my god, gross. And they find this tablet that's talking about some kind of attack plan. And they're basically like, we do not want to hang around with these corpses. Let's take this tablet and get out of here. And it's Daniel is like holding it. He feels something brush past him. And nobody else sees anything. So they're like, okay, whatever. Let's go home. And so after they get home, Daniel starts having hallucinations of seeing these corpses and seeing the Stargate in weird places and seeing Jack get turned into a gold. So he ends up being taken to a mental institution. Mm -hmm. And it made me think that like, there's no way that they have a mental institution specifically for the SGC. Because I don't think they would need it that much. Maybe you can have one for the military. But that means that the, all the people that work there, and not just the doctor, have to be have to have the clearance to be briefed on the SGC. Because Daniel was talking about sensitive information in the presence of like three or four different nurses. Hmm. That makes me think that this is like an institution for people in the military. Yeah. And depending on what wing you're in, you have different levels of clearance. Yeah. That could be. Because it's like, shows will forget stuff and they won't, they won't address it because like they don't have time or they just didn't think about it. Clearance levels is not something this show tends to forget. Yeah. So I think that's... Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. One of the things that made me laugh was that the first thing that happens to Daniel is that he hears a woman's voice... And he just assumes it's Sam. I'm like, is that because Sam is one of two women on the base? First of all, it's because <laughs> Sam is one of two women on the base. But also he's hearing this ethereal whisper. And now I'm not married, nor am I an expert. But I just feel like if you're in an empty room and you're hearing an ethereal female whisper and your wife is missing. You should assume it's her. Maybe that's not your first guess. Maybe your first guess is that it's one of the two women who work here. Yeah. calling you but when it becomes clear that there's nobody with you mm -hmm. why isn't it your wife 
Daniel. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> like, like the initial assumption for it to be Sam makes sense because yeah. he thinks Sam's in the room. But then, yeah. Hmm. Maybe because his wife has a particular accent and then the voice didn't have an accent. I don't trust him to be that specific. I know language is his thing. I know that. Yeah. But it's like accents are easy to miss when it's one word. I don't know because the voice was like Daniel and Shari would say it like Daniel. That's true. Should put the emphasis the other way. That said, I don't think he thinks about her enough to remember what her accent sounds like. <laughs> so. Okay. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> And then I also noticed, so he, after he started hearing stuff, he went back to his office and was working and he just had like an open bottle of pain medication on his desk. And I'm like, how many of these do you pop per day, dude? Uh, maybe he opened it when they got back from this particular trip. <laughs> I guess. Rather than just leaving it open <laughs> constantly. And then this whole conversation comes up about how 53% of the personnel on base have headaches. And I'm like, I don't think that's weird. They go through life-threatening situations all the time. It's probably extremely stressful. Also fluorescent lighting. Yeah. Also, they're under a mountain, so there's probably yeah. like air pressure things going on down there. I don't yeah. think that's weird at all. Yeah. And they're like, oh, maybe it's because extended gate use, you know, eventually causes long-term side effects. And I'm like, I really don't think so, considering how many other races use the Stargate their entire lives and they're never affected by it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it could be that the other races have some kind of immunity that, that people on earth don't have, but that seems a little far-fetched. Just a tad. Yeah. So yeah, I think they need to rethink that theory. So Daniel gets admitted and all the SG teams that are on missions are getting recalled so that everybody can get a psych evaluation, which sounds really fun. So fun. And also, they're recalling everybody. And I know they think it's a psychological thing. I know that. Which, in and of itself, is weird because they came back from an alien planet full of dead bodies. And their first thing is, Daniel, you have schizophrenia. Like, there were a lot of corpses. There's a chance he caught something. Right. And he's said he felt something brush past him which jack does mention i think twice he's like you said you felt something so the schizophrenia diagnosis is funny to me for that reason because yeah. there's evidence to the contrary yeah and then when you build on that if you're like yes it's obvious he's caught something your that next move is then to recall everybody yeah very questionable oh because it might spread yeah like great pandemic response guys <laughs> Well, I mean, realistically, there's probably only one or two dozen people off-world, you know. Still, like, making sure everybody comes back here. Yeah. When there's a mystery illness floating around. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't take any kind of quarantine precautions with him. No. They did do, when they were at in the other planet and they saw the corpses, they, Jack did call out level A and they put on, like, these headpieces. I do appreciate when Daniel was in the uh, institution, though. He was in a padded room. Mm -hmm. And I do appreciate Jack's commitment to social distancing. 
What, because he stayed away? He was standing, like, at least six feet away from oh, Daniel. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm like, see? Well, I mean, they all were. I know, but, like, we know what Jack did during the pandemic. That man isolated. <laughs> Happily, because he just doesn't like people. No, he just, he social distanced <laughs> the hell out of it. Yeah. He was loving it. Oh, yeah. We find out later in this in the season, or in the series, that his favorite show is The Simpsons. Aw. And so, like... He's just binging The Simpsons. There you know, we go. During the pandemic. He and re- maybe ER, since he made that reference to ER. That's true. <laughs> Jack, bestie, call me. We'll talk about ER. Yeah. <laughs> I did think it was cute how when Daniel was first admitted to, like, the, um, what is it called? Like, the hospital wing? Hospital ward? Hosp- ward. Ward. Um, that he was just playing with an IV bag. <laughs> I mean, it's a very Jack thing to do. A child. <laughs> he really is. And then I really appreciated how when Daniel was seeing a gold go into Jack, your response was, that's hot. I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I just, okay. Listen, <laughs> anything Richard Dean Anderson does mm-hmm. is very sexy. Okay. Including getting a worm in his neck. Okay. It wasn't the worm thing that was sexy. It was just, he was having like an acting moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh. Okay. Hot. Anyway, that's that's where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I sincerely hope this man doesn't listen to this show. He's going to be like, that girl's insane. (laughs) You know. You know. I'm sorry if you are. (laughs) But still call us about ER. Yeah, still call me, but like, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) So when SG-1 comes to visit Daniel for the second time, I think, or maybe it is the first time. Daniel tries to escape and Teal'c stops him. And so... The little creature, I guess you could call it, or organism, goes into Teal'c. Mm-hmm. And so Teal'c gets very sick because the organism is designed to kill Glowold. And Daniel didn't have one, so it made him schizophrenic. And Teal'c does, so it's making him very ill. And it takes them a very long time to figure out that there's a connection here. Listen, they're not the brightest bunch. <laughs> not the sharpest bulbs in the cabbage patch. But... Once they figure out that there's a connection, they do bring Daniel back to the SGC. I'm like, okay, good. (laughs) They got there in the end. Yeah, they figured it out. So then they figure out, too, that this all goes back to Michello. This is Michello's doing. It's his technology. It's a great name. Yeah. I've said it before. I'll say it again. (laughs) And... When they found Michello's like home base before, they brought back everything that was in his lab. And so there's more page sharing devices with more of these organisms in there. And I noted that there's either 12 or 13 of them because there was like a picture of 12 by themselves and then a picture of the tablet in one. So I don't know if that's 12 or 13 because I don't know if they like moved one for the picture. But I feel like that... I don't think they ever revisit this in particular, but they could because they've got like 12 of them. Yeah. I'm like, we're going to use this. Maybe they're just done with the concept. <laughs> yeah, they forgot about it. 
that too, more likely. <laughs> so anyway, they bring one of these devices back and each device has 10 of these little organisms, which I think look like giant sperm. I agree. They're, yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> giant sperm, I could describe it, but you can just picture it. Yeah, they're kind of a light bluish tint to them. Are you sure that's not the lighting? I, thought, I don't know. I thought they looked just looked like bluish. whitish to me. Well, I thought they looked bluish. Anyway. Sperm, giant sperm. <laughs> yeah. So Jack and Sam and Doctor Fraser all get three to four of these organisms inside them, and Sam is not affected because she used to have a gold. So the organisms think that they are the ones who killed the gold. I'm like, okay, well, you know, you did your job, kind of. <laughs> Small victories. <laughs> yeah. And so they figure out a way to save Jack and Dr. Frazier. Woo. Woo. But I did note that the more complicated instructions of getting the red blood cells separated from everything else mm -hmm. happened off screen. <laughs> I was like, yeah, was all we got was, was centrifuge. Yeah, after the centrifuge and using doing something with dry ice, it was like, well, we're not getting the rest of that explanation. <laughs> what if the writers didn't know? Right. They're like, centrifuge, right? And dry ice makes it sound sci-fi anyway. <laughs> Cut to the next scene. Here we go. Maybe they thought it would be boring, you know? like if Maybe. Too, it probably like, would have been, honestly. Yeah. I think it would have been. Maybe they even filmed that part and cut it because it was just, like, too long. I don't long, think they would have. You know? No, I don't think they would have. That mm. that's some that's something that's boring enough that that doesn't get past the writing stage. Oh, okay. That's you fair. don't make it all the way to set. Mm -hmm. I did think it was interesting that they basically invented a league of gold for this episode <laughs> <laughs> because they're like the Linvris, the rival league of lesser gold. There's nine of them. And it's like, okay. like you're just saying things at this right? point. <laughs> There's no truth to this. Like, we, I mean, we did just learn about the system lords, technically, but, like, we heard them mentioned before, and this is the verse we're hearing of the Lindris. So, I don't know. <laughs> and then we never hear about them again. No, of course well, not. I mean, obviously not, because they're dead, but, like, still there's no, like, mention of them in passing. Like, whatever happened to them? So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So, you didn't like all the uh, corpses? No, it was gross. I think I was more apprehensive that that was going to start happening to everybody else. Oh, yeah. Because, like, the, just the corpses on their own were, like, whatever. But I was worried it was going to start, like, that was going to spread. Right. And I couldn't have handled that. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. You were saved. Woo! <laughs> so now it makes me wonder how often all of the off-world personnel are going to have to go through psych evaluations monthly psyche valves to make sure there's nothing in their brain or just like in general that they're mentally handling the effects of gate travel but this wasn't the effect of gate travel no but i mean it, it begs the larger question of you know going on these incredibly stressful missions at least once a week you know does that produce like wear and tear mentally you know right i'd imagine they're gonna start a monthly initiative for like a year and then forget about it. Right. Because it's usually how these things go. Yeah. And start doing it quarterly. Yeah. And then annually and then yeah. uh, optionally. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I could see them at least maintaining it quarterly. No. Nah. That seems reasonable. 
It's reasonable, but I don't think they're going to do it. Mm. Well, I don't know. I just have no faith in that. <laughs> so did you find anything problematic in these two episodes? I mean, we talked about it already with like the, the, uh, casting. the casting. But yeah. other than that, yeah. no, I thought it worked. Yeah. And we will see all three of those glow old again. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I did find interesting was I was looking up to see if these actors are still active. And Jacqueline Samuda is still active. And then Ron Halder, who played Cronus, he's still active, but only doing voice work. Okay. And Vince Cristejo, like, he has not been active since Stargate. And he had basically, like, half of his acting credits is Stargate. So I mean, he didn't do much. He did some stunt work and various things. He, he, that, I was going to say, he probably had like some other gig on sets and also acted and then yeah. just did this to kind of get the get the better pay. Yeah. And so I'm almost wondering if he had some kind of accident with stunt work oh, that, that made him retire. Shame. Because he doesn't have very many credits. That's a shame. Yeah. I, I did find it was... I'm a fan of the Dark Angel show with Jessica Alba, mm-hmm. and he was in one episode of that playing, quote, Chinese man. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> I've technically seen him in something else, probably in the background. Do you think these episodes hold up for a modern audience? Yeah, I would say so. They're both pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, the one with the... Um, organisms is kind of like a standard one-off but the one with the gold like kind of sets up a larger premise of being able to return to talking about the system lords and stuff like that yeah yeah but either way like i thought pretty standard sci-fi yeah yeah good stuff okay so next week we're gonna be talking about episodes five and six learning curve and point of view and you're welcome to watch along with us arzu you ready for your next quote yes i am okay She's going back to get her brain sucked out, and I dare anybody to phrase it more delicately. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Daniel talking about Sam. Okay. Something's happening to her. Wait! No. A part of me was like, oh my god, what if it's Sheree? But like, (laughs) I don't have enough confidence in the show for this to be Sheree, so unless point of view is like from her point of view that's my wishful thinking is that point of view is a charade episode and it's daniel talking about charade but my realistic guess is it's daniel talking about sam for some stupid mystery of the week bullshit okay well yeah. we'll find out next week that's it for today if you enjoy listening to our podcast we would love for you to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts if you want to talk to us about stargate you can find us on our podcast twitter and tumblr page at wormhole waffles you can find me on twitter and tumblr at chelsea Fairless. arzu how about you you can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at Arzu D2 everywhere else. So Instagram, Tumblr, and Hive. As a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We're also on YouTube at the geeky waffle. And we're at thegeekywaffle.com. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon. <laughs>